This is Radiant Reflections, the podcast of the Radiant Life Church in Sturgis, Michigan. Our heart for you is that you would live like Jesus and share his love. If you're tracking along with us here on Radiant Reflections, you know that we're in a mini-series called Christians and Cancer, and Pastor Ryan and Josh spent a morning talking with Steve and Beth Jones. Steve is the lead pastor of Life Church and sadly was diagnosed with a terminal form of cancer, though he's healthy and doing well today. Ryan and Josh spent enough time that we felt like we needed to break this episode up into two episodes. So we're going to jump right into the conversation Ryan is talking specifically with Beth as she herself received a cancer diagnosis after her husband had received a cancer diagnosis as well. Something unspeakable, unimaginable you wouldn't want for anyone. And yet the Jones family is currently going through this right now. Let's join Pastor Ryan Bibb, Josh Harama, Steve, and Beth Jones for today's edition of Radiant Reflections. What about you, Beth, when you hear the words, you have <laughs> cancer? It's like, it's, it, was, it was crazy in part because we've already walked through this. Mm-hmm. That, that's, that, I think that's it's really impacted my journey is the fact that we've been through it with Steve. So part of you is like, seriously? Like, really? We already did this one. Did you, you got the wrong address. Um, it's not our turn again. And oh, yeah, by the way, even though it's a different cancer, it's the same building, it's the same floor, mm. it's the same room for the wow. infusions. Really strange. Wow. So, I mean, I think in some ways, having walked through it with Steve, um, made it easier to hear it because, mm. okay, we've already had a diagnosis. We had a really bad diagnosis with a really poor prognosis, and God didn't let us down. God got us through it. Um, we can do this again. I mean, you know, that. Mm. I, I think it really had a huge impact, the fact that we've already been through it once. So. Mm. And then, Steve, I mean, do you feel the same? Like, you know, when, when she comes home and says, hey, Here's what they just told me. I mean, are, yeah, are you feeling I, that same Because now thing? you're like, not just the cancer patient, if you will. It's like, uh-oh, now my wife is as well. I'm the caregiver. Right. <laughs> That's scary to me. <laughs> yeah, let's just let the record stay. Let the record be straight. Most men are worse patients than their wives. I, I know this to be a fact, and I'm definitely, I was a worse patient, but I'm also probably a, I, I'm definitely a worse caregiver. Some of it's a gift mix thing. I just... Uh, so I, don't, a guy thing. I don't deal well. <laughs> Sorry, with, I'm in a room of guys. I don't deal well with medical junk mm-hmm. and body stuff, and I'm just not good at that. Mm-hmm. But um, I'd say the other, I, the thought that it had when she got diagnosed with this, I was actually out of town uh, back in October. I was, and you were telling me what happened on the phone, and I remember going, "All right, we've been on this rodeo before. Saddle up." Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, one of the first questions we, we were thinking, why us? Like, why does my 17-year-old kid who's got, you know, middle-aged parents, why do they have to go through this twice? Mm. Um, God, haven't we been through enough with the one? Do we have to do both? Um, how many kids have it on their resume that both their parents <laughs> have walked through cancer in their 50s or 40s or whatever? It's weird. Um, and then I said to myself, okay. Uh, maybe God's saying, why not us? I mean, I know for a fact, and I've walked 
have walked through this because once you, you know, once you get cancer, then you kind of become like a cancer magnet. And so you hear a lot of stories from people that come up to you and tell you theirs. Or we've had to minister to people who've had gotten cancer in our church um, in ways that we wouldn't have imagined. Um, and that ministry probably turned out differently than it would have had we not had cancer ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I've seen families whose world does become rocked over an ingrown toenail. Uh, like sometimes families just become unglued over my, what we would consider minor things. Mm-hmm. Um, little Johnny didn't get into the sports program he wanted to or um, somebody lost a spleen and we had, you know, things that rock families. That was um, That's the first organ that came to <laughs> mind. Just really random. You know, uh, I mean, there are things that rock families, okay? Because every family's got a tolerance level that's different. And so my point, I guess, was that, you know, if somebody's going to get cancer, uh, why not, why not let uh, allow us to walk through that journey if, maybe I don't know what God's plans are for sure but well um, somebody years ago I don't even know for sure where I got this from but the asking the question why doesn't accomplish anything (laughs) because you know God's too big to understand and I don't want to serve a God that's small enough I can't understand him Mm -hmm. so the why question doesn't really get you anywhere but the what do you want me to learn what am I supposed to gain from this that's the far better question to ask so um yeah, I, I guess that's the oh, that's, why thing just didn't come. I just didn't go there. It's good. So now if you, if you can remember, like pre-cancer diagnosis, how would you say you interact with people who have a cancer diagnosis differently? So like pre-cancer for you, somebody in the church comes to say, hey, like I just I got this diagnosis. How have you changed your approach to that person, if at all, now, being on this side of it, you know, does that, does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm, okay, cat's out of the bag. I'm low in mercy. Um, <laughs> I hate to admit that as a pastor. I, I, I think I'm high in faith, but I'm low in mercy. Hmm. And so if someone were to come to me and say they've got problem X, man, it could be cancer, it could be whatever, um, I want to pray for them. I want to pray with them. I think I can, I can pray with faith that I do believe God can heal. The difference, though, is it's impossible to be empathetic with somebody. I mean, you can f- try to fake it. You won't do very well with it. I don't fake empathy real well. Um, I don't recommend getting cancer so you can be empathetic to cancer <laughs> patients, but I will tell you this. But when you know, once I mean, you've you know walked through that like. journey, yeah. um, the person sitting across to you, you're praying for, probably, hopefully senses some empathy that they would not have had mm. from me before that. And that's just the nature of any of life's journeys. I mean, empathy is a, is a great tool, an underutilized skill set really for anything for marriage for any relationships understanding what it's like to walk through somebody's shoes Um, i'm a lot more sensitive Mm -hmm. to trying to be present in the moment when somebody tells me about their diagnosis because i remember what it's like And, and sometimes somebody has come up to us with a form of cancer that 
we know uh, that one's very common, and the prognosis is, is really, really awesome for that particular cancer, and it doesn't compare to other kinds of cancers. But for that person, mm. that experience is just as devastating to them. Mm. And the other thing I've always had to tell people, and I've learned this in my own world, when you hear the C word, uh, your brain just naturally goes to worst case scenario. Like you're already, you know, it, it, even if you don't even have all the facts yet and you don't have all the test results back, when somebody, the, the C word, the cancer word comes out in a, some kind of conversation, um, or you've, let's just say you've got a tumor, you've got a mass growing, and I've had people call me about that want prayer. They're already thinking about which funeral home they're going to call, I mean, or how to have this conversation with their kids. And one of the first things I say to them is, that, hey, uh, the enemy is all about worst-case scenario. Don't go there yet. Um, you know, tomorrow's got enough to worry on its own. Just worry about today. Today's enough for you. Um, don't be anxious for anything. Don't, don't go worst-case scenario because it's sideways energy. Uh, you have no idea um, where that's really going to head. I'm not saying to be pie in the sky and pretend like it's not there, um, but just trust me. And I can't tell you how many times that result got back oh, it was just a benign cyst or something. And, and they say, Whew. but you know, bullet dodged. But it, there is this natural tendency. And I, I think you, you just end up trusting somebody more who can speak the language. Mm-hmm. And that's true in any area of life. Mm-hmm. It, it's made me probably, it's made me a better pastor in that kind of conversation. Not that I wanted to be, but yeah. You didn't want to be a better pastor? <laughs> I wanted to be a better pastor. You didn't want to be empathetic about cancer. <laughs> I didn't want to be the I didn't want to be cancer guy. Oh. Yeah. yeah. There you go. Yeah. So you hit on it a little bit, but it, but if you're willing, go into some of like, I don't know, maybe your darker moments. Again, what do the conversations with God look like? In, hmm. in those moments, I mean, Steve, you talked about this infection in your shoulder. Like you're just in, in horrendous amounts of pain. Yeah. Like, what do your conversations with God look like in those moments? I mean, there was definitely a, a season there. I remember when this infection thing was hurting. I'm going through chemo, which has its own issues. <laughs> then I've got this infection. I've got this sling on my arm, and I can holy, and there's like needles, knives being jabbed in my shoulder kind of pain. And I, there was no sleep. So I'm sitting in a recliner chair in the living room. I can't go to bed. I can't lay down flat. And I remember at 2 o'clock in the morning, I can't sleep, I can't, I'm on steroids. I mean, it's just awful. And there was a point where I was really angry with God. Mm. I'm like, God, I'm just down here, little church pastor, trying to be a good guy, raise my family, lead a church, help the kingdom. Uh, couldn't you have, like, given this to, like, a terrorist or something? Uh, not that God gives us this stuff, okay, so... Um, I'm not blaming God, but couldn't this have happened to Osama bin Laden or someone else? Why me? Um, and I remember, I, I couldn't even grab the Bible. I was like, what do I do? Here I read the Bible and I work through the Bible. I do this for a living, okay? How do I find the verse? Because you know, honestly, when you're feeling that way, reading Jeremiah, I know the plans I have for you, plans that are good not to harm you, <laughs> blah, 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 blah. Those verses... Um, for me, weren't helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, because right now, I'm in misery, and I've got a death notice on my life, and life is just stinking. And, and I had a hard time. Um, I, I honestly had a hard time looking at the life of Jesus and going, well, Jesus, I know you had it bad because you were crucified on the cross, but 
hey, uh, you resurrect from the dead, you're divine, and, and you haven't been through what I've been through, you know, kind of stuff. And I really, at the moment, this sounds sacrilegious, I wasn't finding comfort in Jesus. Mm-hmm. Where I was finding comfort in was Job. And I remember opening Job's book and reading through it, two o'clock in the morning. And I said to myself, God, you are so smart that you would allow this story to be a part of the canon because you know that our experience is, you know, wide span. A lot of things happen in our lives. And so here's Job who's got a bunch of crap happening in his life. I don't know if you can say crap on your uh, podcast, but... uh, (laughs) I'll let the editors bleep it out. We don't. We don't edit anything. Oh, okay. Good. We've never edited in. Well, one plus. one oh, random okay. sound. We'll try to keep it clean here. Uh, but but so Job is going through all this stuff in his life, not of his own making, and his whole family's being destroyed, and now he's got shards of you know pottery scraping the sores, and he's saying, "I'm going." Now this guy knows misery. Now Jesus knew misery, but I would rationalize. Well, he's divine too, so something had to get crossed out there. But with Job. I'm going, and I've since learned a lot more about Jesus and his full humanity, too, so that's a whole other story. But with Job, he just, he couldn't, he had to just live through this with no explanation. He lost his wife and his kids and everything, and then he's got his best friends are, like, talking smack to him. Like, you know, it must be some kind of sin you've committed. I mean, who has, so now you don't have any friends that identify with you. It's like the ultimate loneliness. Mm-hmm. And, and then he goes, you know, gosh, I wish I had a, I wish my mama would have just aborted me. I wish I'd have died. Um, why did I have to be born? And then he, you know, you know, he's got a wife. His wife, you know, early on says, you know, curse God and die, you know. Um, but eventually we see that he goes, you know what? I know that my Redeemer lives. Mm-hmm. I know that my Redeemer lives. And, and then, of course, we know the end of the story. You know, he has, everything's restored. and His life is better um, and, and God does this incredible work in his life through that journey. But that's the only place. Coffee mug Bible verses were just kryptonite to me. Mm-hmm. Like, I just had no interest in shallow platitudes, but Job was like some meat that I could deal with. Joseph in the Old Testament, another guy. A lot of unfairness, a lot of bull crap, a lot of stuff where he could have, been angry at God, um, and he had the patience, and he's like, you know, what man meant for evil, God meant for good, and that was, really, those two guys were were very incredibly helpful through scripture. Wow. That's good. And I got over the anger part, too. Okay. It was, that was just for a moment, yeah. <laughs> it's understandable. I think That's the darkest part for me was not, it's not been the current journey that I'm in, but it was when he was at his worst, and one of the side effects that he was struggling with, they had tried some different medications to treat side effects, and then those medications had side effects. And one of the things that happened was he lost his mental capacity. Um, he didn't know who he was, where he was, what day it was. Mm. He couldn't communicate. It was really, really, really mm. bad. And they didn't. the doctors didn't really know why, what was going on. And um, I remember being at the hospital with him, and he was doing something repetitive and it was just wearing me out because I'm like, you know, every five minutes saying the same thing over and over again. And, you know, I'm emotionally frayed and, and exhausted anyway. And I remember a nurse coming in and, or a social worker talking to me at one point about, 
the state that he was in, and would I be able to care for him in that state? Oh. <laughs> like, are you kidding? No. <laughs> I, like, he no may way. never respond again. Yeah, like, because I, mean, I didn't know what day of the week it was. I didn't know who the president of the United States was. It, I didn't know anything. It was, mm. he could not this care for himself. This was a side himself. effect to a drug mm. that he, appeared to be like a seizure in my brain. He couldn't care for himself at all, and they didn't know why. And they didn't know if he would recover from it. And wasn't this was we're not even talking about cancer now. This is you know issues that have come as a, as a side effect. And I just remember that conversation from that social worker saying, "Would you be able to care for him?" And thinking, "No, <laughs> no, I couldn't. Not that I wouldn't you want still have kids to, at home. but I still yeah, yeah, yeah. I have a bunch of kids at home. <laughs> and and he would have required full time care, that sort of thing. And just that." A death sentence is one thing. A sentence of that mm. is really hard to process for a young, healthy man, father of my young kids, you know, to think that he would be in that uh, limited capacity that we'd be looking at something like that. But Oh, and the life insurance doesn't kick in until you die. Oh, so. yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah. I really would have been in trouble. Um, I think probably the lowest point for me was praying God take him. Mm-hmm. Because if he's going to live like this, I'd rather you just take him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it wasn't that I didn't want him or I couldn't keep him, but to watch him suffer mm-hmm. and to find yourself at a point where you would pray, "God, just take him," is a really low point to you know to feel that. So that was really really hard, um, the hardest part for me. But God quickly reassured me that He was in control and He had this figured out he had a plan um and i just experienced incredible peace beyond anything i've ever experienced before during that season through through that whole season amazing peace um he mentioned job one of the verses that i always associate with that time frame is a verse in job i think it's in chapter 42 where he says my ears have heard of of you, I'm talking about God. My ears have heard, but now my eyes have seen. Mm-hmm. Like I've truly experienced. So we hear. You know, I grew up in the church. I grew up. I grew up in, in a pastor's home. I grew up knowing God, and a Christian from a young age. And I've experienced peace. I've experienced all these things from God. But I had truly experienced it then, in mm-hmm. a way that I never have. And I've said many, many times since. I would never have signed up for that experience, would never have wanted to, to choose to go through it, but I wouldn't trade what I gained from it either. Wow. And the, the experience of God's presence being so real, his peace being so powerful, and carrying you through those dark days, that's an incredible experience. Mm-hmm. And you get to experience that by going through the dark stuff. Oh. So, mm. Yeah. That's good. So for those of us who haven't walked through that, you know, what are some things, so, and this will be for all the listeners and viewers who haven't walked through it, what are things that you should never say to somebody <laughs> when they, oh, you know, goodness. when you get a cancer diagnosis, what are the things that you're like, oh, please, if I hear one more person say this, I'm going to smack them, right? <laughs> oh, goodness. Well, one of the annoying things, I remember early on, somebody said, oh, I've heard you got cancer. Somebody from out of town that I know. And, you know, my grandma had cancer, and she started drinking this special juice, and she got cured. And so I'm going to mail you 
um, a packet of this stuff, and I highly recommend it. And you know, and I'm like, a, not all cancers are the same. <laughs> B, prove to me that this special multi-level <laughs> marketing thing that your grandmother subscribed to is going to solve it. It's just annoying uh, when somebody tries to link. I think in some ways they're trying to be helpful. They're trying to be empathetic, but. Let's just face it, not all, not all cancers the same. This one in particular was really unique. Um, but people mean well. It's just, and not only that, I don't want to let me make the decision on what kind of treatment I'm going to have. Um, and sometimes this may offend a few people, but people develop very strong opinions about treatment options sometimes. And you've got some people that say, no, we're not going to go conventional. We're going to go you know, homeopathic or whatever. And then they sometimes they start issuing their strong opinions and, and sending you things in the mail. And then they want to know, did you drink it? Did you taste it like I asked you to? No. Um, so, yeah, that one's one of them that sticks out. Yeah, I, I don't know. Things don't ruffle me too much, so I don't think anything's bothered me too much. Other than it is a little challenging when people want to suggest alternative treatments. Mm. Other than what you've chosen, whether what, whether what you've chosen is mainstream or alternative, whatever it is, um, because making your choice for treatment is a very personal decision that you don't take lightly. And so when other people have um, editorial comments to make on your treatment choice, that's kind of challenging. So I guess I would say, yeah, respect people's mm choice so when they do that it's like they're saying well you clearly haven't thought through all right, of the options right like, right let me, right let me give you the the cure here right yeah. i think the other thing sometimes people do this theologically it's not correct but sometimes people don't know the right words to say like oh uh, something like okay i my numbers are good or i'm making progress you know well um god is good well i I appreciate that. That is correct. God is good. But see, God is good if the numbers go south, too. Like, God is good even if you're not cured. Um, And to to only kind of associate the blessing if things go my way uh, assumes that, you know, if you take it to its logical conclusion, then God must be bad if things go the other way. Uh, You just have to kind of watch the theology. And sometimes I've had to, I don't want to be snarky with it because people mean well, but I want to say, well, God is good. Yeah, but God's good regardless of how this turns out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's good. That's good. So maybe we'll, we'll flip it the other way. You guys, having been through it, having had people offer you all sorts of random advice, like what encouragement would you give to somebody right now? Like yesterday, they got a cancer diagnosis. Like, is there anything that you would say just by way of encouragement or? Trust God. It? Trust God. I mean, if the faith that you hold on to is real yesterday, it should be just as real today, mm-hmm. regardless of the diagnosis. Mm-hmm. And, you know, God doesn't change. Your circumstances change, but God doesn't change. And mm-hmm. trust God. Just hang in there and trust God. I would probably zoom out even more, like at 30,000 feet, to say, um, when you get a terminal illness diagnosis, then you better just start getting your bags ready and figuring out where you're at in life with God if you haven't already determined that, okay? Um, and there's nothing like understanding where you're at with your maker than when you realize that life is a lot shorter than you realized. Um, and um, I don't know how people would go through 
like, we've talked about this before. Like, how do people who don't have a relationship with Jesus mm. go through this kind of stuff? Do they just say, well, fate has it, you know, like, who do you pray to? How do you, how do you have hope? How do you walk through it if things don't go your way and you are really going to die? Um, ultimately, there's a, um, the, the creator of your soul um, and that relationship with him is the only way I can figure out to reconcile that there is an eternity beyond here. Because you do start to go, you know what, life is a lot shorter and life is a lot more fragile than you thought it was. And so doggone it, um, it's imperative that I nail down where I stand with Jesus. And, I, and, and, and by the way, um, we live in the United States of America, so life can be, you know, okay, and you can have a reasonable faith, but when you get a terminal illness, now we're really gonna see where your faith is and, and how you trust God. And so uh, I would just simply say, um, don't, don't miss the opportunity to look in the mirror and say, where do you really stand with God? Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you live, and you live longer than you thought, um, then you, need, you ought to celebrate that. Mm-hmm. If you are going to die, um, you need to leave your family a gift that everything's going to be okay beyond life on earth. Mm-hmm. And I say this in funerals all the time. The best gift anybody can, you can give your family is the legacy of a relationship with Jesus that they can go to your funeral and know um, that mom or dad was solid in their faith. Because nobody wants to go to a funeral where everybody's wondering if the guy's in heaven or hell. I mean, that's just a terrible, that's a torture for the family. And nothing will raise that question stronger than a terminal illness or a devastating thing. And I just say, um, use the opportunity um, to, yeah, shore up. Where is your faith these days? If you've been cruising along in life and you've, been, you've got your job and you're raising your kids and you're paying your bills, that's all good. But at some point in time, we all have to reconcile where we stand with God. And do, figure that out. Your, your kids need you to figure that out. In fact, your kids need you to model that faith. If you haven't been doing it, you need to get it figured out because they're having to walk through the journey too. And so, um, and, and just nothing, nothing grows your faith like trouble. <laughs> I mean, you, you don't, we don't grow when there's plenty of money in the bank and we're feeling great and life is going good. We never grow during those circumstances. We really grow when life stinks and when life is hard. Um, that's, that's the season where our faith muscle is, is increased and that's where we grow. And so mm-hmm. I would just tell the person if they're facing this uh, and then see where God takes it, trust in God. Um, and maybe it is the time for you to, to start praying prayers you've never prayed. Maybe it is the time to start pulling out the Bible. Maybe it's, you're gonna look at the book of Job now or, or you're going to trust in God in some new ways. Here's the hardest part for us, for me personally was that I would allow other people to pray for me because I didn't really want to be, I didn't want to be in the spotlight with that kind of thing. And it was humbling. And oh yeah, it's not just your journey. It's the people around you's journey too. And if you're a pastor, it's the church's journey too. Um, And so they get to, they get to see God in action. They get to see how you um, behave during this. 
And how do you grow in your faith? How do you navigate, you know, difficult news? Whether we like it or not, uh, we are having influence over people. And so the question is, is that going to be good influence or bad influence? And, uh, yeah. And, and you kind of, some of that, you have to get past your own diagnosis and your own troubles to realize that this is a bigger thing. And, oh, yeah, by the way, if you're a Christ follower, you do know that everything's fine. Mm. I mean, at the end of the day, um, you know, for Paul to say, for me to live as Christ, but, hey, to get out of here, that's really great news. <laughs> I mean, Get promoted. Yeah. I mean, for, yeah, life's okay, and, you know, I wouldn't mind if I could stay around a little bit longer, but in the end, um, yeah, we've got it made. We know, we know that we win in the end. One of the things I've thought about when he was a patient, and now for myself too, is we win either way. We win if we get healed. We win if we die. <laughs> You know, it's the family around you that has to go through the, the pain. But mm -hmm. I remember thinking that very clearly when he was sick. I was like, well, he's going to win either way. Um, yeah, I remember saying to her, I'm ready to go. Let's, let's be done. Scotty, beam me up. <laughs> and she's like, well, it's easy for you to say because I'm the one that's going to be left behind with the kids and all this stuff. And so, but now I'm the caregiver and I'm sitting here going, yeah, now I know how it feels. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. By the way, you noticed his answer. He was the preacher. <laughs> his answer oh, yeah. was a whole lot longer than mine. <laughs> <laughs> He's laying out the gospel right like, there. Wow. Yeah. Ready to go. <laughs> oh, man, Ryan, you got anything else? No, I just want to say, um, first of all, thanks for making the trip down to, to talk about this. Thanks 11 years ago, putting faith in uh, my wife and I. It was a and uh, that was easy. Decision. Here we Cancer are. Cancer not so easy. That was easy. <laughs> that was well, I just remember. You guys were a blessing. Um, you know, blessing. I remember. I started journaling for the first time when you were diagnosed, Steve. Hmm. I remember writing for the first time. Uh, God, now what? And I was only four months into full time ministry <laughs> you just when hired and then, you yeah. <laughs> were diagnosed. Yeah. And it was like, okay, what am I going to learn through this as well? But um, yeah, no, appreciate you guys dearly. Mm. Thanks for making this talk. Thanks for. Being willing to kind of open up your heart a little bit and share what it's like to wrestle with a horrible diagnosis, yet at the same time wrestle with the incredible faith you guys mm. have. So thank you. I appreciate you yeah. having us. It's yeah. good. Yeah. We love you guys. You guys are awesome. So. Yeah. It's fun to be with you. Love you guys too. Yeah. But very cool. Well, hey, this has been episode 53 of Radio Reflections. Thank you again, Stephen Beth, for joining us, and uh, we look forward to talking to you guys next time. Thanks for listening to Radiant Reflections, the podcast of the Radiant Life Church in Sturgis, Michigan. We hope today's edition of Radiant Reflections has helped you live like Jesus and share His love with your family, friends, and neighbors. To learn more about the church family this podcast originates from, check out theradiantlife.church. That's theradiantlife.church. Dot church. Maybe you have some questions after listening today. We'd love to hear from you. Send an email to podcast at theradiantlife.church. That's podcast at theradiantlife.church. Don't forget to subscribe to the Radiant Reflections podcast. When you subscribe, you'll always have the latest content delivered right to your phone from the Radiant Life Church. We'd also be grateful if you could rate and review Radiant Reflections. Every time we receive a five-star review, more people learn about this podcast. We also want to encourage you to share this podcast on social media and with your friends and family. Join us next time for another edition of Radiant Reflections.